Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to season two of That Gabby Roslin Podcast with loads of amazingly fabulous guests. Now, to start the season, we have a very special guest who I was so excited to chat to. Yes, it's Cher herself, Alicia Silverstone. We, of course, chat about Clueless and please stay tuned to hear about the reunion that they had. Plus, her brilliant work in theatre on Broadway. We also talk about her love of animals ethically responsible shopping and how veganism has changed her health for the better plus her books the kind diet and the kind mama and her passion for organic food ingredients in her my kind organics vitamins which are amazing i hope you enjoy it please can i ask you a favor would you mind please following and subscribing please by pressing the follow or subscribe buttons please this is completely and utterly free by the way and then you can also rate and review on apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iphone or ipad simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review thank you so much how many places was that probably too many but please thank you The fact that I'm talking to you from London and you're sitting there in California is just cool. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, while we were waiting and trying to set it all up, my daughter, who is downstairs, texted me because I always shout in the house, go, shush, quiet, everyone. She just texted me and she said, will you please tell her I've just taken my gummies? Oh, that's so great. <laughs> she has them every day. And she, for some reason, she decided to wait till now to tell me that she'd taken them this evening because she wanted me to tell you live. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. <laughs> there we go. Mike, you, so you are your vitamins, your about feeling good, about being kind. It's just incredible. Everything I've read, you want to make the world a better place, don't you? I really do. (laughs) Don't we all? Yes. Well, I hope so. I certainly hope so. How did it start? How did all of that, that part of your life all start for you? Well, I would say that my mom, who's English, and she's passed now, but she was such a huge... um, you know, when I was a little girl, she would always say, remember the war? 
And she, so we were not to waste anything. So by accident, she was an environmentalist and um, because she was so conscious of not wasting and, 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 unme- and very anti-materialism. So, but good for her. Yeah. So that was all, it wasn't because she understood the environmental impacts. It was just her having gone through the war and being very conscious of resources that way. And, um, and then she loved animals. So she, when I was really little, she was always rescuing dogs and cats. And so along the way I became, you know, I was, I loved animals so much. I grew up with animals all around. My mom actually says that I was conceived because um, her bunny died and that they conceived the grief out came me. Um, so <laughs> that's extraordinary. Now that's something I've never heard anybody say before. So that's a first for me. <laughs> right. But so I think, um, I think that in general, I just, I caught her bug of loving animals, but I do genuinely believe that all children innately love animals. I mean, every single thing that is targeted at them is about animals because they know how much they love them. And if you were to put a little girl in a room with a cow, she's not going to come out with a burger. She, you know, or even try to bite into it. She's going to be cuddling the cow. So my instincts were just natural that I loved animals and I would try and rescue them all the time. And then at some point I saw some footage of how we actually raise animals for food in all of our countries and at the same time, I had rescued a dog that I loved so much. And he, his name was Samson. And I rescued him on a movie set and he came to live with me and he would sleep in my bed and he would kiss me. It was like, he was my boyfriend. <laughs> I started to wonder why is it that he's allowed to be my boyfriend and I kiss him and I take care of him and love him. But another creature that is capable of the same joy and the same love and the same pain and suffering, if I punch him, is is treated so terribly to make my burger. And that started to play on me. And especially when I saw the footage that I saw. So I changed my life. I went vegan and it really just for ethical reasons, no other. But when I made that change, my health changed so drastically. So I had an asthma inhaler and I had allergy shots twice a week and I was getting bronchitis two or three times a year with antibiotics. And I was just normal. That was normal. And I was eating normal food, you know, meat, dairy, sugar, all the things. And then when I made this change, suddenly, a few weeks into it, people are telling me that I'm glowing. I didn't need my asthma inhaler anymore. I stopped getting allergy shots. My skin that had cystic acne all went away. My eyes became really white and bright and clear. And um, really, overall, my body just sort of really appreciated it. And I had so much more energy and I slept better and I pooped better and everything was better. And so I started to look into that and thought, is this just good karma for not eating animals? Because that's incredible. And then I started to realize that there are so many studies, medical studies, scientific studies, and, um, and all these people in the world, like Bruce Lee and Nara Tolova and all these athletes that had chosen this path because it was healthier for them. And there was all this science to support that. So I started digging into it and I wrote the kind diet and then I wrote the kind mama and just wanted to give people a prescription for how to feel their best, look their best and just be their best selves. And in and obviously while doing that, help heal the earth and animals and 
and all the starving children all over the world who can't eat because we take their food and feed it to animals, which is a really inefficient use of resources. So um, along the way, oh my God, my dogs are going to go crazy right now. because That's fine. We love dogs. We love dogs on this podcast. We love dogs. Oh, they just went by and they're just going, they're about to go nuts, but hopefully not. Um, so anyway, that was my health journey was by accident because of my love for animals. So then when I was pregnant with my son, you know, I... After being on this health journey for a long time, I was asked to take a to take a um, prenatal, and I went looking at the ingredients and thought, "Hang on, I eat really organic food. I grow a lot of my own food. I go to the farmers market, and the ingredients in this bottle, the healthiest bottle I could find, still has chemicals in it. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what?" So it was another rude awakening that even, because everyone assumes, I mean, I assume that everyone is like me and that I assumed that vitamins were healthy, period. Why wouldn't they be? They're vitamins. <laughs> they should be healthy. But when you start looking at the ingredients, they're really, some of them are, most of them are made with mostly just chemical junk, but some of them are made with some good ingredients, but then they're wrapped in chemical junk. But I'm exactly the same as you. I stopped eating meat when... I was with my family and we were in the northern part of the UK in a place called the Lake District. And my mum, who was, again, like your mum, in the war, and she was a very little girl. And she saw, she worked, she was on a farm. She lived on a farm. And then my mum said to us as kids, oh, look, look, there's a lamb being born. And we watched the lamb being born. And I thought, and my, we all thought, oh my gosh, this is so shocking, but it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And then it, suddenly the lamb was walking and I had tears coming down my face. I went, this is amazing, this is amazing. And then that evening I looked on the menu and it said lamb. And I suddenly went, lamb? Lamb? What, what is everybody doing? And that was it for me. I just, exactly like you, I couldn't look into the eyes of a, an animal and think, eat it. Yes. I'm so grateful that you just told me that story. It's so beautiful. And I had a similar one on an airplane with my brother when I was eight years old. My first attempt at going vegan was a failed attempt, but it was a nice like, you know. What happened? What happened? I was eight years old and we were on the plane and, and we had just come back from England as well, where I'd heard the crying of the mothers. I was in I was in the country And I asked them, why do I hear this crying? What is this crying? And they said, it's the mothers. Their babies have been taken away from them. Oh, no, yes. Turn them into veal. And I, so then I'm dry. And I didn't even know how to comprehend what I was hearing. And then when we were on the airplane, my brother, um, I was eating lamb because that was what was on the plane. And my brother's making the sounds of the lamb and I had never put two and two together that lamb wasn't lamb, right? I don't yes, think, yes. I just don't think that I think most kids are the same. They don't think about it. It's, it's like, no. So then that totally freaked me out. And I went vegan for a while, but no one in my life was vegan or vegetarian, I should say. No one in my life was vegetarian. And I still had that hankering and that taste for meat. And so I would just keep you know, I just kept messing up. And then when I was 21, I went through the big change and finally just, I was done because I didn't, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror the same way. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, you love animals and you're a good person when I was contributing to such suffering. So um, yeah, but then the vitamins came out of really just, you know, the, the, sh- the shock, oh my God, here they go. The shock of knowing what goes inside of them and me realizing that the way I eat is healthier than the vitamins. So what the heck is this? This is not going to help me in any way. But how do you go about that? So you see the, you, you see some vitamins and you think, okay, 
I don't like what's in them. Lots of people might look at that and then, but not actually then start making them themselves yes. and coming up with it and working with the company. I mean, that was, that, you, you've, you've got some balls there. You go, okay, I want to do it. Thanks. So, you know, I had had experience prior with um, creating things with, or working with other companies, I should say, to develop things and helping them with design. I mean, I did quite a few things over the years, but at this point, I had just written my second book, The Kind Mama. And I thought, here I am about to help all these, because pre- again, it was born out of my needing a prenatal. So I was thinking, well, I, I'm going to need a prenatal for insurance purposes at some point. And if I need it, then everyone needs it. And if there's nothing good out there, it, it has to be made. And I just, I don't know why I just thought I could do it. So I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to do it all by myself that I was not interested in because I'm an actress and I was about to be a mother and I was busy, but I, I thought, let me go find a partner. So I went looking for a partner and I found garden of life and we, um, we just really aligned. They were really excited about the possibility of doing this together. And so we co-founded my kind organics together and, you know, they weren't doing this at the time. So they were really, because obviously if they were, we wouldn't have had to make it, right? So it was really exciting to be able to, um, for them too, to start something new. And so we went down the path of creating the first ever certified organic, non-GMO verified, all food-based, no fillers, no binders. So there are no chemicals in the bottle. There is nothing in there synthetic. It is all just pure, ingredients. So sometimes you read the bottle and you'll see it says broccoli or spinach or lemon balm. It says, the, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's food. And we, we are able to take that food and dehydrate it and turn it into these lovely vitamins. So it's really, it's really, it's really exciting. And, and then I got to work on, you know, I'm, I'm very mindful of design and packaging to be as recycled and reclaimed as possible and inks that you use so that, the whole thing is wanting to tread as lightly on this earth as possible with every single choice and every dollar you spend. Right. And so I always, I don't buy anything if I don't know that that person, you know, that that was thoughtfully made or being reused. So I love reusing things and I love um, supporting companies that are making things responsibly because most people are making things completely unconscious and it's terrible. It's so bad for the earth and it's so bad for us. And so anytime you can support, you know, I really do make it my mission every day. I don't buy anything unless I really think, can I get this used first? Okay. I can't get it used. Great. Underwear. Um, (laughs) Who who makes the most responsible underwear? And then I go looking for those companies and they're out there and they're making them with organic cotton, you know, or they're making them with mostly bamboo. And so just trying to be responsible. I like the organic cotton ones personally, but just being responsible about choices. I love that we know what underwear you now wear. That is what, that's exactly, this is spot on for the podcast. We now know that you wear cotton underwear. That's just, that, you know, if that's the takeaway. <laughs> but no, you're so right. There are so many people out there. You know, if we all did one little thing, I think a lot of people get scared because I, I mean, I go on about, living healthy life and 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 doing everything that we possibly can and we've got our plug-in car and we've got our um, solar panels and all of that we all do our little bit but and some people say well I just do I you know I just recycle and I always say don't talk about just recycling if you recycle then you're on your way you're doing 
you're doing a thing. And if everybody does one thing, then everybody can build on it slowly. But I think people, I do feel, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, over here, I do get the feeling that people are more aware and they care more. I think especially after the pandemic, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a nice idea. And I'm very hopeful that it's true. <laughs> so am I. I mean, I am always in shock at how how most things happen in the world and how we are allowed to be so careless and, um, and that there's so much deception. You know, you have to remember that because we, we know a secret, you and I know that animals are abused and tortured and mutilated to make food, that it's not a happy cow that they put on the, on the nice little packaging. You know, when you buy your butter or you buy your eggs, they show you happy chickens and happy cows and happy cat, you know, it's, it's all deception. And, and it's really good marketing and no one, they're not taking people to the slaughterhouse and saying, Hey, come look where your food's coming from. And you can see the torture and the screaming and the suffering and look into the eyes of these creatures that look just like your dog that you love so much and look at them suffer. You know, they're not having that experience. And so, you know, that leads to a lot of other things in our world that are also deceptions. And so we have to think and research and be very, very thoughtful about the world because what you read and hear in the news is not true. And so we have to be very, very mindful as citizens that if we really want to know what's going on, we have to get, we have to dig deeper, a lot deeper. And now, you know, free, free range eggs, you know, there are very happy chickens. My friends have got, many of my friends have got chickens and my kids, they, they think it's the best thing and they'd love us to have chickens. Unfortunately, in the middle of London, and you are English deep down inside, and I know you know this place, the middle of London, you can't really have chickens. No, it's not ideal at all. It's not good for the chickens. <laughs> no, they wouldn't be very happy. No. Not here in the centre of London. But I do think you're right that all little changes are massive. And I'm grateful to anyone that even just decides like, hey, if they eat meat every single day and they eat dairy all the time, and then they stop eating dairy often, and then they just sort of start dating. I think the easiest thing to do is to start dating new things. So you go, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to try this amazing vegan cheese. There are, I mean, look, there's some terrible ones. So you have to be careful. And I don't know your brands in, um, in England, but I have here in the States, we have this company BioLife and it's in every grocery. Yes, we have them. Yep. We have it here. Great. So BioLife Parmesan, BioLife um, mozzarella, those cheeses are fantastic. So if you just start adding those in and stop buying the other stuff, and then when you're in, you know, if you're in a pinch or you're drunk and you're at a party and a cheese plate goes by, don't you can, you know, have your moment then. But, but if most, <laughs> if most of the time you're making a new conscious choice, your body and the earth and the animals will thank you. And, and that's the same with animal foods, right? So if we, if we just eliminate as much as possible and keep working towards it. It's not all or nothing. I a hundred percent agree about what you were saying about taking one thing and building upon it. And, and I would just say that my, uh, my wish is that people would take on as much as they possibly can and really aim for it, make it your goal. You know, I'm going to do this as much as I possibly can. And so you figure out a life where that's the way it is. And then when you fall off, who cares? You fell off. That's such good advice. Do you know, have you always been this passionate? I mean, I know that you were, were you, you 15 or 16 when you lived on your own, which is still 
extraordinary. I remember, so we, I interviewed you 25 or 26 years ago. And, um, and I remember talking to you about it then. And I thought that was incredible then. And we were both uh, obviously 26 years younger, but it was, you were so young when you had, when you were emancipated from your parents and you were out there on your own. So were you that passionate and that strong then? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that. I mean, I am sure I was passionate, but more about at that age, you mean like 15 and 16, I was passionate yeah. about different things. I mean, I was, I loved animals, do not get me wrong. So I was passionate about them, but I didn't know what I know now. And when you kind of get woken to a new truth, to the truth, it, it, it tends to make you extremely passionate. So, no, I, But I mean, passionate about, about life. Yeah. About anything. Were you were you a passionate and, and I mean that in, in a I don't mean that in a, a sexual way at all, but were you were you a fighter? Were you a strong young girl? Were you passionate about life? I think I was I think I had a lot of opinions when I was little. You know, I, I remember going to Hebrew school when I was a little girl and you know, I would argue with the I would argue about <laughs> I remember getting into these discussions with the cantor and rabbi about sort of, cause they would talk about the Holocaust and I would sort of say, but isn't there a Holocaust happening right now in Darfur? And they would say, and they'd say, yeah, but we're focused on this one. I said, but shouldn't we be focused on the ones that are happening right now so we can actually help them? Like, let's do something. So I know I had that sort of I, my eye on hypocrisy or not that I think that my cantor or my rabbi were hypocritical because I don't. They were beautiful and they were trying so hard to teach us good things. But I think it sparked in me a little bit of, well, hang on, rather than sitting around and talking about what has happened, how about we do something about what's happening right now? And and I also felt that because I, you know, I, I rescued my mom and I would be driving down the road and if we saw a, a, a a dog stray and, or we didn't know where he, you know, he didn't have a collar on, we would jump out of the car and try and find him. And, you know, sometimes I was running on a freeway, like a cuckoo bird, not in the cars, but on the, on the side. And, you know, I've learned since that dogs do not run towards you when you're running after them. So it's not really very smart, but <laughs> we're trying. And so, yeah, I think I did have a sort of solve it thing. And I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. I know that my dad is a go-getter for sure. And I, and so I, I don't know why I was, why I care so much about everything, but I really do. And, and I do remember getting in trouble with girlfriends when I was little, when I was about that same age, 11, 12, um, where they, you know, I wanted to talk about interesting things like religion. And I wanted to talk about, you know, hypocrisy. And I wanted to talk about materialism. And I just wanted to talk about the ideas that I was having that I was, and they didn't want to talk about any of that. So I think I was annoying to them ultimately and had to kind of go through a shift. And then I started being friends with older kids and then I could get a little bit more juice out of them. And, and really I found acting and that's where I could get really juicy because at 12, when I started going to acting classes, I found my people because at 12, the kids around me were just very mainstream and not very, you know, not having interesting conversations or challenging anything, just kind of going to school and being a, you know, person. And, and so when I got to Hebrew school, I mean, sorry, when I got to acting school and all these kids were older than me and they were crying about their dad or, you know, angry about this other thing, there was just much more juice. It felt, it felt incredibly therapeutic. And I loved being a part of this 
thing where I was 12 and there were 17 year olds around me talking about all kinds of juicy things. It was very exciting. So see how I hear passion now because it's very interesting that the way you talk about that as well. So there is so much passion in you and there's a real fire. I mean, I know you were very young when you started and of course um, your your first film and then and then Clueless suddenly you you were elevated to this sort of world stage and I'm using the word stage before I don't mean theatre stage but you were there on the world stage you know when I read some of those interviews that Rolling Stone and things did with you oh my god it's disgusting but that's uh, just shocking just extraordinary and and there's this you are strong. I mean, you must have been amazingly strong then. I don't remember what Rolling Stone said, so I don't know. But I do know that I cringe when I read most of anything that comes out of my mouth. When I, you know, because, because when you're younger, you're so on the, even now. I mean, it's nice when we're talking like this so someone can hear my voice and hear what I mean. But when you're speaking to an interviewer, you know, they suddenly, you know, they, they'll take out all of the intent and they'll just sort of put the, um, uh, 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 and, and they just make you sound so stupid. So I don't know if I was really stupid when I was young. No, you, no, no. I have to say you don't sound stupid in the, in the old interviews. You do not sound stupid. Absolutely not. They are just, it's the male journalists who, some of the things they said about you when you were a kid, you know, you're, how old's Bear? How old's your baby boy? Ten. Right. So you were only a bit older than that. And it's so, so forward and so sexual. I don't, but I hope they wouldn't do that these days. I do think it might have been different in the 90s, but that, that's no excuse. But you were strong. You were, so, I, what, that's what I got from the stuff. I got strength. Yeah. I wonder why. You mean my reaction to what they were saying? Yeah. And that you coped. Yeah. No, I did. I coped. I've always been a bit of a survivor. I come from a lot of, um, there's a lot of complication and I worked really hard to get through it all. And when I was at that age, though, I was in the thick of it and didn't. And I was very focused on trying to survive and find my voice and find myself so that I could. Um, but I, I didn't have help. So it was very sort of misguided at the time. And I think eventually I got lots of help. But I think um, when you're a little person and you're just trying to survive, you know, I don't know why. I just knew I needed to survive. That's amazing. So, so with, but with that film and, and the fame that comes with it and everything, I love, see, I, your Instagram gives me such joy, especially, can I just point out, that dress, the dresses that you've been posting that your friend has, oh my God, recently, I know we're going to flip and things, and we just for a moment, those clothes, that pink dress, that black dress, just incredible. Yeah. He's such a, he's a, he's an artist. I mean, beyond, you know, and, and when I was younger, I had no appreciation for fashion at all. I mean, sorry, what, what you were in the most stylish film that everybody wanted to look like those and get those outfits and you had no, nothing about fashion. That's so funny. That's the irony of it all because I, you know, people thought I was like her, but I was nothing like her. I didn't have that materialism. I didn't have, when I went in, when I was, at the age of clueless, I had a green t-shirt with a pocket on it, probably from the gap or some J crew or some, you know, mainstream place and a pair of jeans. And that was my uniform. I wore that 
everywhere. It was my lucky shirt. It was my favorite shirt. It's the shirt I felt pretty in. I mean, are you kidding? It's a green t-shirt. <laughs> your, your children have them there. It's nothing. And that was my fancy shirt. And I wore it all the time. So when I had to go through those fittings and do all that, I didn't get it. And anyway, all that's to say that obviously I now really appreciate and understand the value of what was happening there. But I also found fashion because in a, in a funny way, because um, so along the, all these years when you're doing red carpet and things like that, I, I didn't get it. I wasn't interested in it. And I, I, I really didn't excel at it because I didn't have a stylist. I, eventually I got one, but I just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. And, and then, cause I, I was busy again, trying to save the world in my mind. You know, I was just always focused on other things that felt more rich to me. Yeah. But then Christian Siriano five years ago or six years ago, maybe six years ago, invited me to a fashion show. And he said, you know, I don't use animals in my clothes and I donate to animal charities. And he totally seduced me through the animals. Right. And said, will you please come? And he'd asked a few times and I, I hadn't gone. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to go. And so I went and it was my first fashion show I'd ever been to. And this is at what age? I mean, I'm four. This is like I'm probably 39 and uh, or something like that or 38. And then he and I had such a good time. And then I start and I thought it was so beautiful. And then I started to realize and he dressed me so nice. I felt like such a woman. And I started to see his art. I just started to really get the art of it all. I mean, of course it happened before Christian. I started to understand the value of feeling pretty and looking nice and what that does and how good that is for your self-esteem and how good it is for your well-being and all of that. And, and it didn't have to be in my mind, this materialistic, awful thing. But we know that in general, fashion can be pretty awful in terms of what it does to the earth and how nasty all those magazine people have been in the past to women and people. So it's not really like this really cool thing, but over time, I mean, I just went to the London, not just, but I guess two or three years ago, went to the London fashion awards and it was incredible. The whole thing was vegan. Are you kidding? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's all come a long way, I think. And I, and now I really appreciate, I, I think he's such a, Christian, those shoot that those photos you looked at took him two hours, maybe tops, to shoot all of that stuff. And he maybe, maybe an hour and a half. And he sewed that thing on to me. He um he you know, he's the one taking the pictures. There's no photographer. He's the one who designed the dresses. He's the one who's deciding where to do it. He just he's just a genius. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. But my favorite thing though was the you two recreating the falling off the bed scene, which I've got a very warped sense of humour because people falling over and walking into trees and falling off beds makes me laugh. I just have to think about it and I start laughing. And when you two recreated that on your Instagram, you have no idea the pleasure it gave me. I was screaming laughing. Oh, I'm so happy. That's good. We did it. It was so fun for us too. And you heard me screaming laughing at the end. We, <laughs> we, did that in France. we just did it one night. We were like, let's do this really quickly. And... Um, your voice is so familiar to me. I do feel like I can remember having spoken to you before. It was a long time ago, but it was a it was a joy. It was an absolute joy. I, and I remember also um, that we taught everyone, you said, why does everybody want to know about the yellow suit? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, it's one of those really, uh, it, it is such an iconic thing. You know, I think it's like the red slippers from Wizard of Oz 
That yellow suit is another of those. Is the one that you wore recently as well, is that the actual suit? No, no, no. I had that in my closet, funnily, not in my closet, but in a shelf in my office because I did lip sync battle. I know, I watched you. (laughs) And when I did lip sync battle, they had to create a version of it and they couldn't do the exact because that would be, they weren't allowed to do the exact for some reason, but they did, um, they did their own copy of it. So I had that outfit from that. And, uh, and I didn't plan it. Christ, my friend Christian, when he saw it, he said, oh, for goodness sakes, you didn't do your hair. You didn't do your makeup. And you put <laughs> a terrible nurse outfit underneath the jacket. He said, why did you do that? I said, well, I didn't, it wasn't like a thought out thing. I just, you know, it, it took me about three minutes. I just grabbed the jacket, went downstairs and did it with Bear and it was done. It was just silly. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I would have put more thought into it had I known. <laughs> oh, no, it was perfect. Is it? No, ignore him. Don't ignore him, but but ignore him for that little bit. So that's the only little bit. Tell him from me. No, I. We, it's great. No. He loved it too. He just always is, you know, because he's always looking at me like I'm his little Barbie doll or whatever. So he's sort of going, <laughs> why can't you just, you know, he wants to fix it. Like he wants to fix the outfit. He want, he. And it's It's great. He's so cute. The other thing that I read, which I was really fascinated was your love of acting on stage. I mean, you've been in some of my favourite things. I mean, uh, I just, I absolutely love Speed the Plough. I love David Mamet. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, everything I've read about when you talk about being on stage, it, there's something, it's like that that light inside you or the flame inside you that something clicks and you just go, I, it's a real love, isn't it? I do. I love theater so much. And it's some of my greatest acting experiences I've had in my life have been on stage. And um, yeah, I mean, working with David Mamet will go down as one of the most artistic, incredible experiences of my life. He is such a talented director. He's so fun to work with and so inspiring and exciting. It's just electrifying, really. And um, and same with working with Daniel Sullivan and Donald Margulies and Lord um, Linney and Eric Bogosian and, um, uh, oh my God, my brain just went dead, Brian D'Arcy James on this play. We did Time Stand Still um, in, on Broadway at the Manhattan Theater Club uh, many years ago now, maybe 10, 11 years, I guess 11 or 12 years ago now. But um, yeah, so I've my theater experiences have been some... I'm so proud of them. I wish that they had a section on IMDb (laughs) that I know it doesn't make sense because it's a movie database, but there could just be a little asterisk that goes, Oh, they were out doing a film, a play for nine months on Broadway. Oh yeah. What people are doing. And I, I'm just because I'm so proud of those plays. I've done a lot of, I did eight plays and. And more. Will you do more? Oh, I hope so. I mean, I think of course I will, but it's just uh, finding the right play and plays are hard to, it's hard to, it's interesting how they cast them. A lot of times they just cast friends and people develop things. And if you're not there or don't know those people, it's, sometimes it's difficult to sort of have these things. For example, David Mamet. Uh, well, David Mamet, I auditioned for, and that's how I got that. And then he, Donald Margulies saw me in David Mamet's play. And that's how come he cast me. You know, he, he was just, you, and he didn't, he hadn't even written the play yet. He was just building it. So then he had me. Oh, wow. So I would go to these readings where he would have all his writer friends and artist friends in a room. And it's so cool. And they would watch us read scenes from the play as he's trying to build it. And then he would discuss it with them and us. And, and I would, it was just, it's so inspiring to listen to the artists talk about, 
And so I really was there from the beginning of Time Stand Still when it was just on paper. Why don't you write a play? Why don't you write? A, I mean, because I know you do movies and you produce movies and things, but why don't you write a play? I just feel that there's something in you there that that you're always creative. You're very creative and you're very, you, you, as I, I'm going to use that word again, and I promised it the last time, but passionate. I can see that there's a play or something there that you've got to write. That's really lovely that you say that. I think that I have just focused my energy on like all my passion is really about wanting to make change in this world. Well, do it through a play. Write that in a play. Maybe, but I also feel like I can do it with my daily activities that are the things that I choose, the things that I share. You know, I, I write books. Writing books is so hard. I still do on my third book and it's just, it's so much work. So, um, you know, I... Right now, I feel like the the nonfiction world is is needing me more than. Um, but yes, if um, I suppose one day I could, and I'm grateful that you think that. Yeah, no, I think so. I definitely think so. So on this podcast, we always ask everybody, "What makes you belly laugh? What makes you properly lose it laughing?" And I, I, you definitely have that twinkle in your eye that I can see you giggling a lot um so what makes you properly laugh i mean there's so many things i wouldn't know how to put it down to a thing you know it's you could take a you can choose a few that's fine we like a few we like laughs you know i could belly laugh at any moment and i i wouldn't know how to identify it's not a particular it's not like there's a, a genre of things that make me laugh everything makes me laugh my dog oh here pinto this is what makes me laugh. He's jumping on me now and he's going to try and stick his tongue in my mouth and he's going to stop it. Not completely stop it. Stop it. So he makes me laugh because he tried, he wants me to feed him and he, he, he puts his pant, his, ow, Pinto. He puts his paw on me as if he's pinning me down on the ground and then he licks me to death. The thing I wanted to tell you one thing before I forget about the vitamins is just that we, you know, the gummies are so exciting because they have no gelatin in them and there's no sugar. That's why I'm happy for my daughter to have them. And she likes them as well. So she has them, but also there's no gelatin and there's no sugar. Hallelujah. And they're not just for kids. There's ones for adult. There's the regular, you know, for us adult people, there are men's, there are um, men's, women's plus 40 under. And then we have, oh, prenatal. And then we have, will you stop it? And then they have my cheeky dog has run off with my um, this thing that my son created. You need to put that down. <laughs> um, and so anyway, with tons and tons of different gummies and they all are wonderful and they don't have any sugar in them, like we said. And there's elderberry and turmeric and we have basic sprays that are so delicious, like beet. I have that. I have your your D spray and that's what I use. Well, the D spray, I'm glad you enjoy that. I. I prefer the tablets for D. Have you tried the chewables? No, I haven't. Because I like, I do the instant spray. They, I just, I was told by somebody the spray is really good. I will try your chewables. But also you've got um, apple cider vinegar, haven't you, ones now? Vinegar and we have um, vitamin C spray that's delicious. The B12 spray is delicious. My son used to hide with the spray underneath the table and just spray as many times as he got <laughs> him. Um yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to say that we have all different kinds of things and really great adaptogens like ashwagandha and all the turmerics and pain relief and um, adrenal, which, you know, many times we all get tapped out. So adrenal is really helpful. Ashwagandha, B12, 
And it's all available here. That's the thing. It's available all around the world. And and that that must be pretty cool that that I'm sitting here in London and that we take your vitamins and you're there in California. I mean, that it's, the world is a smaller place. You know, last time I was in London, I went into a health food store and there I saw by accident, I was there to get something. I saw, because I was staying in an Airbnb uh, in, I don't remember where I was, but anyway, I saw... But you stop it. I saw all my vitamins on the shelf and they got me really happy. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I'm pl- I think it's amazing what you've done. I really do. Um, I th- we're going to just have to, well, I know we have to end, but um, uh, it, this is a question from my girls, uh, my my daughters, who said they're really sorry, but they have to ask you, did Cher and Josh ever get married? Oh, I don't know. What do they think? They think so. They hope so. So too. So do I. <laughs> and also, the, the the strangest thing is around the house today because they all knew I was going to be speaking to you tonight. We've all been rolling where the home is. I just once it's there in your head, it doesn't leave your head. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? And that that film has brought so much. That must bring you. That must make. I. Okay, actually, instead of telling you how you feel, I want to know how it makes you feel that everybody still loves that film 26 years later. It's really nice, I have to say. I mean, you know, to do something that brings people so much joy is really, I don't know, I don't have any other experience to compare it to because this is my experience, right? But it seems... So I guess what I'm saying is in some ways it doesn't seem remarkable because it's been my experience for the last 25 years, right? But at the same time, it is remarkable because I have people of all ages all the time coming over to me and telling me that they enjoy it. And look, nothing makes me happier than when someone says, I read The Kind Diet and it changed my life and I'm no longer on this medication, this medication. That is fantastic. You're you're absolutely right. That's a different level because you've changed somebody's life that makes me go to my knees a little bit and like my heart just explodes you know or the kind mom I remember seeing a play in New York and I I was crying because the play was so powerful and uh and then this woman came over to me and she she just was like grabbed me and said I had a baby and after I read your book and it helped me so much and it was so meaningful to me so those kinds of things just blow my mind clueless the, it's just a very pleasant, lovely thing to have so many people appreciate it. And I, I have such fondness with, you know, Amy Heckerling, the writer, director, we, ha- we share this bond forever that we did this thing together. Right. Mm. And same with all of the cast. When I saw Paul Rudd and Breckenmeyer and Donald Faison, we went to Chicago together and did a little reunion thing. And it was me and the boys. And it was just it, they were hilarious and I was dying. And, but, you know, there's just a sort of bond that we'll all have that even if we don't talk, there's just this thing that we did. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty neat thing. So I, I feel, I feel nothing but pleasant and joy over people discovering it and enjoying it. And I recently saw the film again because I was speaking at a Q and a with Amy Heckerling and you know, when you don't see it for a long time, it's really delightful. So, you know, I appreciate everyone's performances. I appreciate the writing. I appreciate 
you know, the beautiful cinematography and the costumes. I mean, there's just so much to enjoy. So I'm grateful to be a part of something that has made people happy for so long. Do you know what? It's, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. And the last time I'm going to say the word passionate, because to actually speak to somebody that really practices what they what they preach and believes it and wants to make a difference. So, um, Alyssa Silverstone, thank you so much. Okay, you too. <laughs> Bless you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode with the phenomenally talented singer and all-round inspirational woman, Anastasia. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.